Don't ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. As Eric said, I am Stacy Heller. It is April 13th now, lest you be afraid the tax day is in two days. There's actually an extension. It's May 15th. There's my PSA for the day. Um, if you can't listen live, you can listen anytime to the podcast. You can get information by texting D-A-M-T-T to 55678, and you'll get all the deets about the podcast. And if anybody has a question or a comment, then feel free to call in. The number is 425-373-5527. And I am joined today by Gazala Yuradnik of GFS Events. Welcome, Gazala. Thanks, Stacey. It's great to be here. I am very excited to chat with you. I love uh, not just what you do, but I am. I think the story behind how you started doing it is really cool. So I want to um, talk about that as well. Um, but first, a little me time. <laughs> first, we're going to talk about my week, things that I learned this week. Um, now, in no particular order. I learned about snap toggle bolts. Now, I'm not at all handy. This is basically like a molly bolt. So I've been working on a client's space and everything needs to be uh, earthquake proof. Okay. Like, A, who knew about that? As a transplant from the East Coast, like earthquakes are not a thing. And I think there should be, instead of a welcome wagon when you arrive in this area, there should be like a little, like, by the way, we're not being dramatic. Earthquakes are a possibility. Um, so you have to secure things to the wall. And you can use these these toggle bolts and drill a hole and then you shove this little thing in and it attaches to the sides of the wall and then you zip tie it and then you snap off the zip tie piece. I felt like such a baller. <laughs> I I worked with, um, well, you know Ed Hedges and um, yeah, he did some work for my client and I felt like I was doing construction with dad. He was like, did you wear a hard hat? I didn't wear a hard hat. However, he was like, do you want to try? Because I was basically like breathing down his neck. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't let me drill the holes. However, he did let me put these um, these toggle bolts in. And I was like, I'm so cool. So everyone should um, learn about these things. They're amazing. And you're welcome. Um <laughs> Now, I also feel the need to talk about my friends uh, today because they are mostly way cooler than me. I have a big mouth, and so... But how much do they know about toggle bolts? Well, this is true. Thank you, Eric. I mean, <laughs> they don't. They so, totally don't. Yeah, that's true. comparing cool, I mean... <laughs> I mean, come on, look at me. <laughs> I'm like a construction goddess. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? Um, so I have a whole bunch of friends who have written books. So one, Mary Gleason, 
you know Mary. That's right. I just ordered my book from her, uh, so I'm excited. I so. know. She was on JD's show yesterday. The show is all about you. She was his guest, and then they did a Facebook Live. Uh, she wrote a book called Being Woo Woo in an Engineered World. It just came out. It's available on Amazon. And it is all about this idea of having, you know, if you've got intu- intuition and you're um, in relationship, whether at work or in your personal relationship with somebody who is more concrete, sequential, uh, how that can show up and how those can work actually together and in harmony. And um, she writes from experience since she and her husband are basically the inspiration for the book. So that's cool. Then um, my friend Amy Harrison, her book, Eternally Expecting, comes out on April 15th. So she was a guest back on March 9th. Um, If you didn't listen to that episode of the show, you can listen to the podcast. And she talks about um, this idea of of in the process of basically having her eight children. Yes, you heard that right. Um, (laughs) She also gave birth to really a new life for herself through um, sobriety and just self-discovery. And so that's amazing. And then Joanna Vargas, gal from high school, she has a book out about skincare called Glow. The book is, honestly, it's almost as stunning as she is. It's just beautiful to look at. Um, And then, of course, JD, he's working on getting his um, alternative history um, book published few other friends have published their own small books or they've been a part of a collective. Gazala, were you in one of the books? I was, yes. I was in the book about um, uh, working from home, um, how to um, how to be, have the habit from working from home and, and things that you can do to be successful um, while we're, and which was really relevant because oh, yeah. it came out during the pandemic. So it was perfect because everybody was working from home. Right. And, you know, and I think that businesses more and more are realizing that they don't necessarily need brick and mortar. And so it will continue to be relevant even post pandemic. So see what I mean? My friends are cool. Whatever. I see. Right. I, I forgot I was cool, too. I was going to say I need to write a book. But I, hey, well, I it. <laughs> yeah, you did. And so my, and that is my line, by the way, because I'm like, I need to run out and write a book. Now, I will tell you that mom. Hi, mom. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lee. Um. Mom has been saying this to me for years. And so I do need to go and do this. I don't know what I'm going to write about, but I also didn't know what I was going to talk about. And I'm able to fill up 57 minutes every week without a problem. So I could fill up like 57 chapters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I get to see mom over Mother's Day weekend. It was a Christmas present. And I will be fully vaccinated with the appropriate waiting period by the time Mother's Day comes around. So I am super excited to be able to see the glorious ladies of Penswood in person. I know it's so exciting. It's been a really long time. That's how I feel too. I I cannot wait to see my mom when it's it's time. Yep. She's going to be here soon. So I'm excited. Awesome. Now, speaking of running, um, something that I personally avoid at all costs, unless of course I'm being chased, um, my friend Zach, somebody else that you know, Gazala, he is the owner of Window Works Property Services. He won a race last weekend. Okay. Now, I did not know that. Yeah. Here's the deal. You'll understand after you hear the numbers, like, how he won. Because no one else in their right mind would run a race like this. 
he ran 51.5 miles. So it's basically an ultra marathon. Yikes. 6,000 vertical feet, 27 degrees. It was 27 degrees when he started and snowing. So that was the first half of the race. The second half of the race, he was dealing with dust storms and like high gusty wind um, for the entire second half. And he ran that in under eight hours. That does not sound enjoyable. No, it doesn't. It it <laughs> sounds incredibly difficult. Wow. Right? And the weird thing is, a couple days before that, I had had a dream about Zach. Not in a weird way, people. Get over yourselves. Um, a dream where he was like a local character, kind of like a D.B. Cooper kind of a vibe. And he was always like on the run. And so in the dream, he's like running all over the place. And I guess maybe I subconsciously knew that he was running this race, but I didn't really know. And he's now kind of a legend for running this race in eight hours. That's pretty cool. Was it for something specific? Like, was it for uh, an organization or just just because? I think it was a just because. I'm not sure what um, I asked him. He's he's very funny. He's very low key about these things. And so he sent me a text and said, um, I won. <laughs> that was just today. <laughs> and I was like, I sent back all of these like gifts of like, you know, woohoo and you know the whole thing and of course I got nothing in return and I was like he's probably sleeping <laughs> well right totally um and so I was like you know what was the you know what was the name of the race or the organization or something and I didn't hear from him because he's the um the quiet type <laughs> <laughs> so I get to um you know bestow all of those congratulations and make a big deal out of it for him even though he's totally not listening but that's fine. It's all good. You just you put out good energy into the universe and, and good things happen. Um, okay. The last thing that I want to share is that this Sunday, uh, April, I think it's the 18th, if I do my math correctly, um, the podcast Between Two Cheeks is launching. So people that have been following the show, they know that I am – helping to produce, and I'm a co-host, I guess, of this podcast with Brooke Kennedy of Sweet Bee Hair and Skin Lounge. And the first season is fully dedicated to the topic of Brazilians. I was going to say, I bet I know the two cheeks she's talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> and who knew that there was 20 so things. So much to talk about. Oh, there is so much. I, as I say in the podcast, there is so much to uncover with this topic. And um, it is very, very fun and very funny and very, very informative. I've learned a lot. So um, look for that starting on Sunday because it will amuse you. And you may learn a little bit more about me than you want to, but that's okay. Whatever. (laughs) I will definitely listen to that one. That sounds like it would be very amusing. It's going to be very amusing. And, um, you know, my mother will be so proud. (laughs) She will not be shocked. And I don't know that she'll be proud. And, but I don't know. Maybe she's curious. Maybe she and her friends want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Actually, I know that they want to know because my mom, last time I talked about this, was like, why? (laughs) 
<laughs> Why would anyone do this? Which is a fair question. Um, okay, so my Staceyism for this week is this. Sometimes the wider you look for a solution to something, you look really hard, you look far and wide, the whole thing. It turns out that the solution is much closer than you think. Now, last week I talked about how I was on a search for a sideboard and how I wished that in addition to our Lord Jesus Christ (laughs) (laughs) rising on Easter, I wish that my father would also rise so that he could help me find a sideboard. And, um, well, that didn't happen. And in spite of searching high and low, far afield on the Internet, there were none that were Goldilocks just right. And so I have kept looking and kept looking and kept looking and not compromising and kept looking. And lo and behold, at my local home goods store, there it was like a beacon sitting there. And it ended up being like a third of the price that I had sort of reconciled with after not finding anything. And it's perfect. So that is a life lesson in general. It's important to go beyond your comfort zone and to look far and wide. It's also important to remember that sometimes the solution to your problem is right in front of you and that you don't have to work that hard. And either way, you shouldn't settle. So... That is my Staceyism, and what's interesting is it falls perfectly, coincidence, I think not, with what Gazala does and what GFS Events does. So when we take a short break, we'll come back and we'll learn more about Gazala and GFS Events. Keep listening. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1150KKNW. Don't ask me to talk. We are back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacey Heller, and I am joined, as I mentioned, by Ghazala Yaradnik of GFS Events. So, Ghazala, I am super excited to talk to you about... To, there's so many aspects that we could talk about, but the, one of the things that I want to start with is really how your business came to be. Because if I have the story right, you were basically an overachieving PTA mom, <laughs> like me. Is that correct? 
That is, that's kind of how it got started. Yeah. I, I know I've told you the story before. Um, I, I mean, my background is healthcare and healthcare administration. So I was in kind of that hospital realm, which is also a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I um, was, you know, taking some time off with, um, and in raising my kids, um, I would do um, kind of side consulting. I worked on a few things on the side and realized I really can't do this with three small children under the age of five at home. Mm-hmm. And so um, I kind of, threw myself into um, the kids' school and um, was the perpetual volunteer. I was the person who raised my hand every time someone needed something done. So, um, and it was one of those um, times I was kind of sitting in my, I was doing a a gala, we're doing a gala event for an auction. And I was sitting in my um, co-chair's dining room at like midnight. And (laughs) um, I kind of just turned to her and I was like, you know, I really think that there might be people out there who would pay us to do this. And, you know, she just kind of didn't really respond. She was just like, huh. And um, about six months later, I decided to start GFS events. And so that was kind of that light bulb moment. Like, hey, I like doing this. I, mm-hmm. I'm actually doing this um, for fun. So maybe I could turn this into uh, a job. And I, I guess I never imagined how big it would grow um, at that time. But I'm, I'm really grateful that... I took that leap of faith and and uh, dove in. Well, the story reminds me of my stasiism in that, um, first of all, it's the GFS stands for Growth and Fundraising Solutions uh, for Nonprofits. And so what I think is so brilliant is that so many people, myself included, when you're starting your own business, you know, you're you're trying to think so big and it it can really make people falter where they're like, I can't do this or there's already somebody out there doing it or what if it's not a good idea or whatever. And the really the most smooth thing that can happen is to see where, whether it's in your community or globally, where there's a need for something and to just like, oh, this is what we're going to do. And you're right. You know, all of those, um, all of those volunteers like myself that, you know, raise hands and are really like willing to do the grunt work, but are always very thoughtful about the bottom line. Um, You know, so many organizations are built on good intentions and volunteers. And that's not always such a cohesive combination. (laughs) And you found this idea that makes so much sense. And now it's, it's, it's become, I mean, you're just, you've grown. I mean, talk about growth. Um, it's exploded. It has. I mean, I think that's what um, has allowed us to grow. I love, I love working with volunteers. I mean, I think that, and this is, I don't know if you knew this, but this week in, it actually is a national volunteer week. So this is a good topic for us to be talking about today. Um, but, um, I think the thing with a volunteer is that, um, they have constraints, right? Mm -hmm. You, you have all these good intentions and you want to help this organization as much as you can, but you have a full-time job, you have kids at home, you've got a life. And so, um, you can't give that same amount of, um, you don't just don't have the bandwidth to do that as, mm-hmm. as someone who it, this is their job. And so that's why I think our, the combination of us being 
helping organizations along with volunteers is such a good fit because we can we can kind of guide and project manage and get everything done and then we can have volunteers fill in the gaps where where their best um, abilities are and where they can they can really get the job done in in the time that they have to give totally I mean it makes so much sense I've had you know I recall putting on events and you know sometimes you would have uh, volunteers that were, you know, the people that said, give me a task, you know, I'm willing to do the task and it needs to be something that has like, I can cut out stars or, you know, I can do something like that. And, you know, not there would be that year that, you know, no one really wanted to step up to run things or there was a year that, you know, there's, you know, seven cooks in the kitchen and trying to navigate that. And so what you have done by working with the organization and the volunteers, as you say, to bring it all together uh, to you know, the best end for growing that organization, growing awareness about it, growing what they can do and who they can help um, through the fundraising. It's, you know, I don't know. I I think it's brilliant. I think you're brilliant. Well, thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. It's, it's just a lot of fun. I just, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot out there. People are like, you've got to follow your passion. You've got to do what you love. Well, most of us don't do that, right? Like most of us are trying to make a living and doing whatever we can to make that happen. Um, but I guess I just feel so fortunate. And I think um, you're probably in the same in the same um, vein there that um, we're, I'm doing something I love. Mm-hmm. I, I love helping nonprofits and it's 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 really fun. And I get to, um, I get, there's always a goal in mind. I'm very goal oriented anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm slightly competitive. And so <laughs> I like saying, okay, here's our fundraising goal. Go, let's get there. So yep. that is always a real appealing to me. And, um, and then knowing that we're helping, um, you know, a, a great, um, group of people as well as great missions is super important to me. And I think that's what keeps me going is that, um, the people we work with, um, really no matter which organization, they are so passionate about the organization. You know, they are, they are volunteering their time because they love this organization. They love the mission. They love what's happening, um, with the money that's being raised. And so I think that's super powerful too, for me, just to kind of see that, um, see the results. Absolutely. And, you know, just so people understand what GFS events does. So, and you'll correct me, of course. Um, but basically what you do is you work with nonprofits. You're not an event planner for, you know, your son's bar mitzvah or your daughter's wedding or, you know, a corporate event. You work solely with nonprofit organizations and they have um, fundraisers, obviously, to make money for their their charity or their organization or their whatever it is. And they really want to maximize that. And you have some real proven strategies and ways of doing that, whether it's doing, you know, a fun run or an auction or, you know, whatever it is that makes sense for that particular client, you partner with them and with, you know, their goals become your goals, their volunteers become your uh, team, and you help to orchestrate it so that they not only do they reach their goal, but they that thermometer that they're filling in the front yard is like overrunneth. That's right. Yes. And it's so exciting to see too, especially this past year, um, how, 
how successful nonprofits have been. Um, so you, that's exactly what we do. We, we guide, we project manage, we, um, we consult, we coach, we, we help um, each client to get to their goal. And, um, and, you know, people will ask, well, how do you do it? Like, what's the secret? And it's like, there's no real magic potion. It's just, it's really tried and true, um, you know, development principles of um, connecting with your donors and reaching out to the right people and getting the right people in the room. And the reason our clients can do that is because we provide them with more bandwidth, right? They're, we're taking all the details off of their plates. We're, mm -hmm. we're coordinating all of the logistics and all of those other things that they don't have to worry about. We're answering questions for volunteers. We're creating timelines and production schedules so that um, the client, the nonprofit organization can really focus on um, connecting with their donors because that's how you get that thermometer to move. Absolutely. And, you know, orchestrating um, and coordinating all of the various vendors and doing all those those kinds of things, um, you know, that is a huge thing to not have to worry about. And, you know, and you are aware of what their budget is and what they can do. I mean, you just put it all under um, GFS and it's like you just took the worry off their back. You just made things run so smoothly. That is one of the things when we first meet with our clients is one of the, our, our goals is to take the stress off of them um, because they're running one event. And usually, I don't, I don't know if you're, I don't think you're like this because cause I know I'm not like this. I don't get stressed out super easily, um, especially when I have to, if I have to plan something, if you told me tonight, Hey, we're going to have 50 people over at your house. We're going to, you know, you're going to need to host and do all this. I'm like, okay, got it. Do yep. it. Let's do this. And so I think that's how we approach, you know, an event, right? We got this, we're going to do this. And so, but most, most, um, most people don't like to do that. They don't, they don't like that kind of stress of an event um, and having to deal with all the details and, you know, and the uncertainty and, and cause that's a, the one thing in the event world is nothing is black and white. It's all gray. And so something will inevitably go wrong. And, um, and that's why I think we, we can come in and, and just be that calm factor for for clients. And that that definitely helps them. Absolutely. And then they can, you know, attend the event in the way that they really should be. And that is, you know, pre-pandemic, of course, um, shaking hands and getting to know people and welcoming people into the fold and talking about the organization and that kind of thing. And, and that way, by... Um, attending the event, they leave the tending of the event to you. And it means, as you say, that that thermometer can go soaring up and it's like, oh, look, look at this event. And what's so great is that, you know, there are some tried and true type events that you can do. However, it's always unique to the client. There's always going to be a unique stamp on it that makes sense for the organization that you're working with. That's definitely true. Yeah. And I think that has become even more true in this kind of that virtual space is that every event, you know, you, I, I feel like with the in-person world, there's that formulaic, you know, you've got your cocktail hour, mm -hmm. maybe there's some games being played, a silent auction or a raffle, maybe some entertainment and appetizers. And then you move into the dining room and you're doing your thing with the program and the auction and the dessert dash and et cetera. Um, 
and and even even those though they look different, they still have that same kind of um, formula of, mm-hmm. of the evening. Um, and in the virtual space, it's been even more just completely varied because every event is there, there is no formula, right? There's oh, yeah. just sort of like, okay, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna do it? And so that's been, I think, um, I, whereas I thought that we were being creative when we were in the in-person world, there's even more creativity virtually because we just really have to think outside the box of oh. how do we how do we engage people? How do we make them excited to sit in front of their computers mm-hmm. and watch? <laughs> so oh. they're not they're not going to necessarily have um, you know a couple of glasses of wine um, that spurs them to you know raise up their bid card. So how do we make them do that? So right. it's been it's been quite interesting to try and um, be creative around that um, aspect as well. I want to talk more about that. So let's take a really short break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about um, kind of once upon a pandemic and what happens when you're trying to fundraise. So keep listening. We will be right back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. I'm Stacey Heller. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm JDK Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show Is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh? And relevant, Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Giving local voices a chance to shine. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacey Heller, joined by Gazala Yurednik. Now, during the break, we started, um, well, before the break, we started talking about how GFS has had to, yep, I'm going to use the word, pivot um, because of all of the events that you had on the calendar, things that, you know, you didn't know if you had to delay for two weeks, two months, you know, two years. And um, and so then we started talking about it a little bit during the break. So that must have been a crazy time. Yes, yes. As I was um, chatting with you about, I was it, it just even looking back, it's kind of hard to like believe that all this happened so quickly. But um, I was in um, I was in Disney World on March 2nd. And um, it was one of the first times like that I, you know, had take I was, we're taking a vacation and um, and all of this was happening. Um, the scare, the COVID scare started, you know, in Kirkland, right? Kirkland, mm-hmm. Washington. And so I, we had an event um, planned for that Friday, March 5th, 
which was, um, we had two events actually, one during the day, which was an 800 person luncheon, and then one in the evening for about 250 people, um, an evening auction. And I remember that Sunday getting a call from one of my team members and she's like, hey, they're talking about one of the events, the 800 person luncheon, they're talking about um, canceling. And I was like, what? Canceling? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's thousands of people surrounded by thousands of people. Like, I don't think this is a, this, this shouldn't be a big deal. And she's like, no, nope, no, nope, they really want to cancel. So um, luckily they did cancel. We did cancel, which I think was obviously the right thing to do. Um, but we turned it into a virtual event. So, um, and really got very, very close to the goal. Um, and actually raised more because uh, we didn't have the expense of the actual um, venue and all of that was refunded. So it actually turned out to be um, obviously a, b- a better thing to be able to go virtual. And then um, and then slowly all eight of our events that March um, either moved or turned virtual. And we just didn't we didn't know what to do. We were like, what what is a virtual event? What does that mean? Um, how do we do this? Um, so, so much of it was just on the fly. I mean, people were, people were asking us questions like, what do, what do you do? What are you going to do? And, um, we were just figuring it out. It was sort of this leap of faith of like, we can do this. Your donors want to support you, Mm -hmm. um, because they can't be in the same room. Doesn't mean they're not going to give. So let's figure out what we're going to do. Um, and we turned so far, we've turned over 45 events virtual, Um, so, and I would say every single one of them has successfully raised more money, um, either gross or net than in their, in, in the in-person world, which is pretty phenomenal. So, um, that's been super exciting to see and be a part of. And then we're slowly, um, working into this new word, which, um, just like pivot might get to be kind of like one of those words you don't want to say anymore, but (laughs) hybrid, a hybrid event. And you're probably going to be like, what is a hybrid event? I, what is a hybrid event? <laughs> I have no idea. No, it's um, it's just a combination of, of um, s- some in-person um, pieces and some virtual pieces. So um, you may not have your full number of people in the room, but maybe there's a small portion. Maybe it's your key donors, your VIPs who are in the room watching um, or, you know, being part of the show. And then that event is broadcast out live. So, um, which would be, which would have been unheard of, right? Like you don't, you don't broadcast a two, you know, if it's $250 a plate, that's kind of the, that's how much you have to pay to get into the room and be part of the event. Um, they're not going to suddenly broadcast that so everyone can be part of it for home for free. But that is kind of the new wave of thinking is, hey, we we're reaching people we couldn't have reached before. So right. why limit ourselves? Um, so that's starting to happen. And we did our first hybrid event in March, um, which was super interesting because we originally that event was a 500 person um, event where Uh, people would come and have an auction and um, purchase a bowl and have soup in the bowl and be part of the auction. And we turned that into a five-day event uh, with a limit of 100 people per day outside 
um, also getting soup prepackaged, of course, um, <laughs> getting their bowls and then doing an online auction. And we raised about 40% more than what they would have, what they have in the past in their in-person events. So wow. that's been pretty exciting. So that was an interesting one because it was in person and then parts of it was on, were online too. So, um, the program piece, like the little, the recordings, the video recordings, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, were online. So yeah, it's, it's a, a whole new world. And, um, I wonder if, if the virtual elements will continue, right? Like if it will, people will say, well, why go back um, to everything the way it used to be? Maybe there are some pieces that we continue on with that are being, we're successful. Right. So yeah, like I, um, have you ever done an old fashioned telethon? I I haven't done one myself, but yes, it's kind of like that. Um, Like that's, I I think that would be super cool to do like, you know, to, stream on like you know twitch or discord or something and you know you're live streaming the event and you have like the panel of like all of the vips that are answering the phones from people and you know you have a like you just need a little tiny soundstage or you know whatever and like like you do that um you know it's like you can have so much like fun and it's a throwback to those old days of like you know a telethon where you know, it was PBS and like, we're going to entertain you. And then, you know, it was make a donation. Um, I watched a lot of um, old movies and music on PBS from, you know, when they would have their annual raise money to support public public broadcasting. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know if you've seen any of some of the larger scale events that are live streamed. But it's like producing a TV show or like a little mini movie. Um, You know, we kind of went from logistics around venue and catering and, you know, guests being seated and all of that to producing, um, you know, an hour long TV show Mm -hmm. where we have to really um, have the script, you know, very, very tight. Are we playing music? Are there videos? Are we doing something fun? Is there, are there change costumes? We did one where our auctioneer loves to do like, um, he loves having props. And so I'm in the corner, like literally throwing things at him, you know, (laughs) it's a, it's a fancy dinner. So I've given him a top hat and a boa and, or it's like a ski vacation. So I'm handing him, you know, ski poles and he's pretending to be skiing. It's just, it's a very, very different uh, coordination process, but that part has been super fun. It's been enjoyable and definitely learning new skills for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's way putting you, um, out of your comfort zone and you're learning that you have multiple zone of geniuses. Okay. So I got a text from JD who said a telethon of bad taste for a good cause. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I remember as a PTA mom, um, thinking that the most brilliant event that you could possibly host would be an event where you pay to not go. You send out an invitation and you have a date and you do the whole thing. And basically people pay to not have to dress up, find a babysitter, um, you know, go out for a little pre-function cocktails and, you know, pay for an Uber or all the various things and you kind of come up with the average cost that those things would do. And that becomes your suggested donation yep, thing. Exactly. No, that is, that is actually written into one of our scripts, Stacey. You it must is? Be, yes. It's actually written into one of our scripts 
for an event we just did. And this event was, um, is an event that's a big gala. So people, I mean, for this event, people loved getting dressed up, going there, but, but then when we turned to virtual, um, what we heard, we, and we explained all this, we're like, Hey, the money you would have spent on an Uber, on your dress, on your shoes, on your babysitter, on the dinner itself, you know, et cetera, take all of that and make that same donation to the organization. And people loved that. And they were watching and enjoying themselves from the comfort of their home in their pajamas. Like they just, they liked that part of it. So it's interesting to me how um, even the, you know, the fun galas are just, people are just like, no, I really, I don't really want to go. <laughs> this is actually more enjoyable staying mm-hmm. home. Right. And it's going to be interesting, um, you know, as things start to emerge a bit and you start heading into these hybrid events, the whole, you know, there are some people that it's going to be weird being in a group of people, you know, and there's, it's going to take some time for people to slowly emerge. I spoke with my brother yesterday on the phone and he was saying that um, he, over this past weekend, had breakfast at a restaurant and it's the first time in over a year that he has eaten inside a restaurant, um, you know, and like, could take off the mask and sit there at the table and yeah. eat in a restaurant. And yeah, no, it's, it's, that's a whole, I think you have to, you have to sharpen those skills again. Right. I, um, I went to my very first in-person event, um, a networking event. It's one, it's an organization. It's a, um, a networking organization, um, that I, um, go to sometimes and it was an in-person event. And, um, this was interesting. I think you'll, you'll like this. Um, what they did is they had three different colored bands. And so you could wear either a red band, which meant that, um, hey, I'm being cautious. I want to be six feet apart from you. Um, no touching kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like just, like, you know, keep your distance, masks on. And so everyone had to have their mask on anyway, but just, you know, kind of that, that like cautious. And then there was the yellow band, which was like, Hey, I'm feeling a little, you know, a little bit okay. We can stand a little bit closer, et cetera. And then there was the green band, which when I was, they were first introducing it, they were like, oh yeah, hug me. And I was like, but you don't really mean hug you, right? Because I'm not going to <laughs> hug you, even if you're wearing a green band, even if we're both wearing green bands, I'm not hugging you. So it's a whole different, um, you know, way of just kind of interacting again. I think we're going to have to all get used to it. Like when you said, you know, shake hands, right? Like, are we going to shake hands? Again? Right. What, I mean, what, will that happen? Or will people be like, mm, I'm a good, let's just touch elbows, you know, or will it just be a little wave? <laughs> so, right. Um, oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And, you know, um, I, I think it's, amazing how you were able to um you know the train was chugging along and all of a sudden you know there was something that was going to derail it and nope you just switched tracks and you know you just have kept the train going and it it shows that prowess that you have um and the fact that you have been able to adjust and you know and now you'll adjust again with the hybrid and then slowly over time it will be a hybrid of of different events. There will be people that want the in-person. There will be people that are like, you know what, let's continue to do virtual. And then I suspect there'll be some people that want to have the elements of both. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's true. Well, and we're, we're planning that for the fall. So, right. That's the other thing that's coming up in the fall is just sort of like, what are, what are events going to look like? And, um, and then what, what precautions do you have? So, you know, even if, if, even if we, you know, maybe we're not going to be wearing masks in the fall, who knows, right? Like, I don't know, I can't predict the future. Uh, I imagine we still probably would want to in large spaces with large people, lots of people, but um, would we require that? Um, would you have to show, you know, proof of um, vaccination? Do you have to show um, a negative COVID test? Like, what are the things that are going to be required to be able to come into a room filled with people? Um, and, and what kind of comfort level will people be at? Um, will they want to sit side by side with, you know, 10 strangers at a table or not? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many unknowns. Now, have you found that your schedule is as busy as it was before or are organizations, I mean, organizations still need money. In fact, they need money even more so now. Yes, yes, um, yes. To answer that question, we are busier than ever. Um, and uh, what's been really kind of cool is we've been able to help organizations that aren't just local in the, you know, in Washington state, um, or even just the Pacific Northwest area, we have clients now um, on the East Coast, we have clients in California, we have clients in the Portland area, um, on the other side of the state. Um, it's just because we can do it, we can do vert, it's virtual. So we can, we can help them, we can, um, we can actually create the event and um, and it's been kind of interesting because we've we've now have clients that we've never ever met in person and that's never happened before. Wow. Um, we've always met people in person, at least if nothing else, at least the night of the event. But um, now it's like, oh, okay, we will always, you know, the only time we will ever see you is on Zoom. So that's been it. But yes, it's been super busy. And um, because I think more and more um, organizations are realizing that they need to do this, they need to figure this out. And a volunteer group can't necessarily help them. Um, they can do parts of the job and, you know, parts of the, the pick up some of the pieces, but they don't, you know, no volunteer necessarily knows like, oh yeah, this is how you do a, a hybrid event, or this is how you do a virtual event. Um, so that's kind of where our expertise has definitely helped um, come in. Yeah, I would imagine that you have um, really had to embrace a whole bunch of different technologies and, you know, um, suddenly, you know, I think about me and trying to figure out like how to turn my phone up or, you know, I'm like, oh, I can record a phone call. And, you know, these things that you can do, um, you know, I'm like, how do you do that? And you're having to learn all of that. There are some cool software packages out there too. That's one thing we've definitely done a lot of research over the past year. And there are some really neat um, you know, different things you can do. Like there's a software where you can, you can physically, well, not physically, I <laughs> just say virtually move from table to table. Um, and as you move from table to table, then the next group of people pop up on your screen. So that's kind of cool because you're actually, you know, you see it happening. Like you can actually see all the tables, you can see who's at the tables. And then when you pop in, suddenly they're on your screen. So that's a pretty cool software, especially for clients who want to have that, um, you know, connection period for, um, for table captains or oh, for. Yeah. You know, I mean, that so. would be so cool. I think about when Pete and I were first married and we lived in Darien, Connecticut, and 
it was a bit of like a, I don't know, a cult town. <laughs> and um, they had this, like, there was the newcomers club. And one of the things that you could do was gourmet group. And so they had, you know, a specialty cheese shop. And I worked at a gourmet food shop. And these gals would set five dates throughout the year. They were all like, bam. And the menus were set and you divided, you know, the food into one couple got uh, hosted, one did, you know, appetizers and whatever. Anyway, the whole meal was like divided out. You could either stay with a group that you've known or you could meet new people or whatever it is. And it reminds me of that idea where it's almost like, okay, we're going to, you know, for the salad course, we're going to now move with this person. And yeah, it's a progressive dinner, right? right, Like Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I love that. I love some of the technology that's out there. Um, a few um, a few weeks ago, I had uh, Will Rains on and Juliet uh, Ripley Dunkelberger, and he's a high school student that, for his capstone project, he basically helped curate a an art show, virtual art show, and they used um, this cool technology called um, Kunst Matrix. And he was able to create a virtual gallery space. So when you enter into the show, it looks like you're entering a gallery that has walls and you can like go around the corner and see what's over in that corner. And it's so cool. It's very cool. And I know exactly what you're talking about. We did that with um, the Chihuly Museum. Um, There was a, um, and there's a, uh, AV vendor out there who does this and can do it with any, like basically any venue. Um, and Chihuly had hired them to do it for the Chihuly museum. So it was really cool. Cause we were, I was just like, I'm like, Oh, I know that room. Like I can, I can actually, and you felt like you were walking in the room. I mean, obviously it was on your computer screen, but still it was really cool to be like, Oh, I turned the corner and I know this, I remember that piece in that room. So it's, it's a really, the technology is awesome. And it'll be, I'll be curious to know, how much of that carries over, you know, past this year and what's going to happen with events. Cause I think, I think things will change. I don't think, I don't think that it'll go back to exactly the same, but um, I do think I, people ask me this all the time. I think people want connection. So as much as, yeah, they want to be in their pajamas and they're happy to do that. Um, I think eventually like we're all kind of want to see each other again. Right. Like, I want to see you. I want to be in the same room with you. Like that's that's what people want. So I do think that connection and that community um, will kind of supersede the convenience of the virtual space. Absolutely. I do think, however, it has made um, a global become more local. And it also has been really good for the introverts out there that are really interested in that, but don't want to be overwhelmed by, you know, opening night of this show or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I agree with you. It, things will start to taper off and, and you know, things will, there'll be a new normal. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So now uh, time to spill the tea. What are, there's not really any tea to spill. What are, <laughs> like, tell me about some of your favorite events. Like what's the biggest event that you've done? Oh gosh. I have a lot of um, favorite events, I have to say. So I guess that doesn't mean I have a favorite event. I just have a lot of events that I've enjoyed doing. Um, I think that one of the most 
logistically challenging and fun events because it's so utterly exhausting <laughs> is um is a Seattle Animal Shelters furry 5k. That's mm-hmm. always been a real fun one to do. It's you know a thousand um it's two thousand people um in um Seward Park, uh 1000 dogs. We have uh, I mean pretty much everything in the kitchen sink is happening at this event, right? There mm-hmm. is there's an agility course, there's a stage, there's music, there's vendors. Um we had a Tito's vodka garden. I mean there's just all kinds of fun stuff happening. So that I think um was is one of the most logistically challenging events um and was super fun to produce. Um and then there's just a few, some of the other events that are just even smaller. Like I just I love working with clients who are so um new to all of this, new to event planning and helping them create something that they just didn't think was even possible. And they're just so grateful. So um, there, I have a lot of events like that out there because we do work with smaller clients as well as the bigger clients too, which I just, um, I enjoy being able to help someone who just was like, we, we could not have done this without you. So that that's, that's even more gratifying than mm-hmm. you know, putting on a splashy event to me. Well, and I know from conversations with you that you know, you basically, their cause becomes your cause. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're very much like, save the whales, save the goldfish, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> furry 5K, hairless creatures unite, you know, <laughs> like, um, and that's a pretty spectacular side benefit that, you know, you get to see in a time that maybe the rest of the world is focused on all of the negativity that's out there, you get to focus on all of the good work that, you know, people are doing for other people, for other um, species, you know, for everyone. Yeah, it's super gratifying. That's, I, I love that part of it. Um, so I, I can't say I have a, a real favorite event. I've just loved, I love the, the excitement of the event conclusion. And I will say that's one thing I missed this past year. It's not quite the same when you finish a virtual event. <laughs> There's not that same like, wow, that was amazing. Right. Kick um, off your heels. My dogs are barking. <laughs> you were like, okay, it's over. I closed my computer. That was great. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Like, you know, my slippers have been on the whole time. Ha ha. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that feeling again of, of um, you know, that camaraderie and excitement of the night of the event. Um, but I'm, I'm still super grateful that we're able to help organizations now because I, I don't think, you know, nonprofits could not have waited a year um, or no. more to, to raise money. Like they had to do, they have to continue their fundraising. It has Absolutely. to happen. Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to have to wrap up here. So is there any event that you're working on, upcoming event that you're working on that you can tell listeners about in case they're interested in supporting? Oh, there are so many events we have coming up. We have, um, so one of the best ways to kind of um, keep in touch with us and follow our events is um, by connecting with us either on LinkedIn at GFS events on Instagram, GFS events or Facebook. Um, And on Facebook, we especially have all of our events listed. So there isn't a huge call for volunteers right now, um, but I do hope that will change soon. So there are always, you can always reach out to us if you're just like, hey, I want to save the whales. So, Mm -hmm. you know, put me in touch with an organization that does that. And um, how do I volunteer? We'd be happy to, you know, help 
help you find your right fit if you are looking to volunteer or help out with an event. But that's the best way to connect with us um, and see all of the different events that we have coming up. Awesome. And what is your website? It is uh, gfsevents.org.org. There you go. Well, thank you so much. You are truly, um, I don't know, I love it. You're inspirational. What you do is amazing. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Eric, as always. Um, Next week, I am joined by Ariel Hubbard. I would say that she's a mentor, a masseuse, and a mover of energy. So stay connected, not close. See you next week. Yeah.